This is the Off the Charts Business Podcast for multi-passionate entrepreneurs. Here, you'll learn how to design a scalable business so you can spend more time outside, away from the screen, through actionable ideas, real-world examples, and pep talks from your host, that's me, Natalie Lucier, founder of Access Ally. Hello, Natalie Lucier here, founder of Access Ally. I am super pumped about today's guest, Rebecca Gill, and she has such a breadth of knowledge and experience, and I'm so excited to dive into her you know, background as well as what she's currently doing. So welcome, Rebecca. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. So I know you've done so many things. You've built your own business that you sold. You do WordPress, you do SEO, and you also farm. So I would love to give people a little bit of that backstory that if they're brand new to you, kind of how you got to where you are today, if you don't mind sharing that. Sure. So in 2009, I started a WordPress agency where we did website design and development and SEO for all types of clients from you know, small freelancers who were just kind of starting or solopreneurs who were starting out up to banks and universities and all types of things. And that agency is still partially there, but now we just do um, solely SEO consulting. You know, over those years, like I even had the largest theme store for Genesis products outside of Studio Press. So we did a lot of things from custom development and WordPress theme sales and masterminds and training, onsite training at boot camps. So lots of different things, you know, over the years. And then you mentioned farming. I also have been alpaca farming for the last three years, which has really grown over, I would say the last 12 months, which has kind of thrown some shifts in my life, but all positive, but that's kind of like the progression I would say of me. And it includes both digital me as well as analog me. <laughs> Yeah, I love how you make that distinction. And if people don't know, I'm also living on a farm now and trying to get that going and with our sheep and our chickens and all of that. So yeah, I think it's really cool to have both digital and analog. People always ask me, why would you want to move to a farm? So tell me a bit about your decision making process for bringing that aspect into your life. It's funny because, you know, after spending so much time online and digital and we lived down in the Southern portion of Michigan, my husband was, you know, a manager, executive and automotive and just, you know, really busy lives. Right. I mean, you know, like I said, I was running the agency. We also had a summer house up on a lake in Northern part of Michigan and two kids. And it seemed like it was nonstop and we were always, trying to quickly get up north to spend time and then never really wanted to go back to our day lives. And about five years ago, we just decided that we had had it. And my husband retired early from automotive. We basically sold off everything that we had and we moved to the Northern part of Michigan and bought 27 acres that were raw and started a farm. (laughs) And everybody who knows us from downstate and all of my clients and everybody else was just like, I don't really get it. Like I you just, you know, we understand online you and, you know, the speaker and, you know, all that kind of thing and the trainer and the consultant, but like this whole farm thing, we don't get it. And it was really about just making purposeful life choices and slowing down and trying to find balance, you know, just like I said, analog me and, and digital me, I really needed balance for digital me. My husband needed just a different lifestyle. And so did my son, who at the time was 13. He was um, miserable in the suburbs and the big, busy city and things like that. So that's what led us to farming. 
I love that. Yeah, I think a lot of us are kind of realizing we're spending so much time in front of the computer. And yes, we have these great careers, and it's awesome. But also, there's like a little something missing. So I love that you guys made that decision. And it can be shocking to everyone who knows you. And they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you okay? Do you have are you are, are you ill, which is a lot of the questions is this midlife crisis? And we're like, no, it's just, it's purposeful decisions that we're making happen. I love that. So was selling everything you own and, you know, maybe I know you also sold your agency or part of your agency, at least Mm -hmm. the meme side, was that also coinciding with that decision or was that kind of separate and it just happened to (laughs) to It was all kind of blended in together, to be honest with you, you know, like, like really scaling down the agency, it had grown farther than I expected it. And I realized, you know, at one point I was like worrying about payroll and receivables and all of those kind of things. And I was no longer doing what I wanted, which was to help people. And I really missed that. So I did, I sold off the theme store because that was, had gotten really big and, you know, just scaled down everything that we were doing. So I could go back to working directly with clients and working with them on SEO and, you know, just helping. I, you know, I just really enjoy that. And that led up to that reduction of clutter in your life and, you know, kind of led into the the pursuit of farming and continuing that cleansing of things that were just not necessary. So, yeah, it's, it's a weird path and one I never would have expected that we were going to take, or especially an, I was going to take, but it was definitely a good one. I love that. Yeah. And full disclosure, we actually hired Rebecca. We worked (laughs) with her on our SEOs and she is incredible. So I love that you wanted to go back to more of that client uh, work as well. And I think a lot of people, when they think, yes, I want to scale, they kind of imagine one thing, but then when you get there, you might realize, oh, it's not quite what I thought. And you've maybe have a couple of different examples of that. So do you want to share a little bit about that, you know, what kind of what happened here, but also I know things have shifted with Digital Marketing Kitchen. So that's the membership site that you and Corey Miller started. So I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of starting something, scaling it and maybe realizing, oh, that might not be exactly where I wanted to be. So, you know, it's funny because the scaling portion of the agency and it wasn't like I started the agency and because I, I always called myself the accidental entrepreneur. I actually put myself in the ER for eight hours by mistake, which made me leave my, my job where I had an employer um, for, of seven years and it was the middle of the recession. That's why I ended up in the agency. And then, you know, you start scaling it because you just you, like somehow you get in that mindset that that's what you're supposed to do. And, you know, people would re- reinforce that for you and, you know, continue, oh, you're growing, keep you're like doing great. And so I just kept doing that year after year after year and scaling up and scaling up and scaling up to you realize it isn't really what I wanted. And it kind of scaled too quickly for me and, you know, and kind of scaling that back. And that is why we, I scale back the agency without question. You know, I just, it wasn't somehow I find myself into it. And because we were good at what we did, we did scale quickly, even though it wasn't probably the best thing for me, you know, to do at that time. And then Corey and I started the digital marketing kitchen. It was his idea. And it was a great idea. You know, we really just wanted to help people. Again, I like helping people. And so does Corey loves community. And we had the membership and we did a lot of educational courses and videos. And we were doing weekly training with everybody and have open sessions and office hours but Corey, after he sold iThemes, you know, we kind of migrated into this, but then he started to get busy 
And then my farm started to really get busy and I have now a retail store at the farm and we do tours and agritourism and we're debreeding and you can't do everything well. And I think that that's the biggest, that was the, the biggest thing for both Corey and I, when it comes to the digital marketing kitchen is we wanted to do it and we started it to help people. And we had a good membership and we wanted it to grow it because we want to grow everything and scale it, but we couldn't give it the time that we needed. He had post status, which is very active. And that was pulling his time. He's a dad of two. We just couldn't give it the love and the attention that we wanted to give. And we weren't, we weren't going to be able to deliver to our members what we wanted to deliver. And like, and we were both getting really, really burnt out. I mean, I was in 2011, 2021, I mean, I think I had three days off the entire year. And by three days off, I mean, I was working seven days a week, every week. And, you know, you can't sustain that. It's just, it's not, it's not something that you can continue to do and then give, give good to other people. And we both felt like that we were failing on what we were giving. And then that's when we really finally just said, we can't do it anymore. We need to pull back and, and try to reevaluate what we can manage and what we can manage and still do really well. And, and by not well for us financially, but produce a good product, produce goodness for other people. I love how you shared that. And also you mentioned that your members were very receptive to how you presented the fact that you're kind of winding it down. So for people who might be considering like, should I do a membership site? Should I do courses? I know you've also done live boot camps. Mm -hmm. What are some of the criteria or decision-making that you would kind of help people decide what is the best path for them, whether that is, you know, an ongoing membership style, or maybe just doing a course that you can launch whenever you're ready. What would be some of your advice for that? Yeah. So, I mean, so I've done the online courses where people purchase the online courses and just do them on their own when, as time allows the self-paced I've done the on-site boot camps. I've done six week mastermind sessions. And then the, the, the ongoing membership where we have weekly activity going in, you know, I think first and foremost, you have to ask yourself how much time you have to give right? How much can you really allocate and not just to whatever live sessions, but there's a lot of just time that goes into prepping your education material, you know, delivering it, responding to, to inquiries and and students and everything else. Time is like the biggest, the biggest question. What type of, of communication do you enjoy? Not everyone's going to enjoy that live interactive communication. I loved it. I actually really miss it now that we're not doing it anymore. You know, some people don't like video. I mean, this is like really what works for you based on your, also your audience. What, what do they want? What type of learners or interactive folks are they? And I think like all of those kind of go into it. And I will tell you that of the different things that I've done, there are certain things I really, truly enjoy. I really love masterminds. I love doing going in six weeks with people and doing education like that. Like I said, I love the weekly membership meetings that we had. And, you know, I mean, it, it, it was fun and it was fun to connect with people for a long period. Right. And if, you know, if that's something that you, that you enjoy, then like memberships could be a great offering for you to give if it fits within your target market and the education and experience that you can share. That's super helpful. Yeah. I think everyone 
always thinks like, oh, I have to pick one because that's the best one, right? But I think it is more personal and it has to fit with what you enjoy, what your audience kind of benefits from the most and also fit within your lifestyle. So I would love to hear more personally about your farm and how that's kind of ramped up. And I know obviously one of your big skill sets is SEO. So I was going to ask you, <laughs> did you SEO some of your farm website or how, how did, did that play into the success that you're having on your farm? Or is that more organic word of mouth kind of growth? Or I'm just really curious on that side. <laughs> so that, that's funny because my background is is SEO and it's marketing on a national level. So now you go into this alpaca farm, which is kind of really locally focused. Uh, and I do know SEO and I can build myself my own website, which I did. And it, it was optimized. And before I realized it, we were getting calls from people all over the country and internationally to deliver alpacas to like Israel. We're like, okay, well, that's not quite what we're forward. But you know, that that definitely helped us grow the farm. And what started out as, oh, we'll have a couple animals, we bought five, got us up to over 70 at one point. And now we we um, shift back and forth between like 40 some to 70 based on bursts and sales. And um, I've had in three years over a hundred alpacas come across my farm, whether we've bought or birth them. We're down right now to 46, but I have, I think, 16 babies coming next year, next summer. We now have, like I said, the retail store that's really active. We do agritourism with on-site farms and interactive tours or or, uh, farm tours with everybody. Um, We take alpacas to weddings, although I don't really enjoy that. You know, so there's a lot of things that we do. We have a 4-H group that my husband leads, and that is really scaled. And I'll tell you what is surprising is the revenue from the farm is equal to the revenue of Web Savvy at this point. And that's, you have to have balance, right? If that's, as the farm scaled really quickly, we had to balance that. And a good portion of that was SEO, because I know how to not just do like search for like alpacas for sale, but also the products and kind of positioning events locally through structured data on the online and Google and things like that. But what it caught me off guard is I was unprepared for was the key of the influence of social media and word of mouth, right? I did not realize that that was going to be as vital as it was. And I've also had to dive into uh, Facebook ads and that type of thing, which I have not done in the past. So I've learned a lot of new skills that have complemented my SEO, um, but that are vital if you're going to, you know, launch and have a successful farm at a local level. I love hearing the behind the scenes of that. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting to, to kind of have both of your skill sets kind of, you know, helping each other that way, like you're learning on your farm, but that also comes back to, if you ever want to launch something else online too, and vice versa, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just a really cool, like self, you know, the dovetail of the two. (laughs) Things are constantly changing. You're constantly learning something new. Well, in farming, when you start farming, you're constantly learning something new too, because everything's new and everything's different and you fumble through a lot. And I know you know that personally, it's just, there's things that you just can't plan for because they're living beings and things happen. But I think that adaptiveness of growing, growing and scaling a small business, especially online, uh, has really allowed me to just go with the flow with the animals where things just... You know, we've had like babies being born right in the middle of a tour, right? Kicking off a tour and all of a sudden a baby's getting born. Now the baby's critical. And my husband's flying with this huge mom alpaca and this baby through my retail store and taking it to the university 
three hours away for emergency care. I mean, like these are the things that you just have to go with the flow with. And I swear online digital has prepared me for that. Yeah. I was actually going to ask if you plan, but I guess it's one of those things you can't plan for, but I was going to say, if you know that your babies are coming at a certain time of the year, do you like scale down the online schedules that you have and that kind of thing, or it kind of just. The weird thing about alpacas is they can actually control their, their pregnancies so that they can speed up the pregnancy or slow it down. And then they also highly control their births. So they only deliver during certain periods of the day. And because they have that influence, you can't go by a due date or anything like that because they could just decide they're going to deliver two, three weeks early. And then they do. (laughs) And you just have to. But it is pretty magical to watch that happen. And for visitors, even when we've had the crises where we've had to like really quickly get somebody into the livestock trailer and gone to the university, they have adapted and like just want to help, which has been pretty darn cool. Now we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Did you know Access Ally is the most flexible way to sell and elegantly deliver digital offerings as your business grows all in one place on WordPress. You can create online courses, memberships, directories, and communities, and even sell team access all on your terms. Go to accessally.com to get a demo and see why it's the business scaling solution you've been looking for. That is really cool. Yeah. And just also for my personal benefit, how do you do your farm tours? Like, what does that look like? Is it like a half day or how do you usually like walk people around? And so we do it for an hour and I use a software company out of Canada to book them, which is really like it's smart. We only charge $5 per person per tour. Um, and then they shop in the store afterwards. But my view is of it. And people always tell us we need to charge more. They're like this $5 for an hour. This is like a great hour because they're like, my husband gives them education he tells them stories and they're right in with our alpacas and they're taking pictures and feeding them. And my alpacas are like right in your face. It's because they really enjoy the humans, but I grew up poor. I want, I couldn't have done this when I was little, right? We just didn't have those funds to do that. I want every kid to be able to experience it. So we keep it really low price. So you can come with six kids because everybody under six is free. You know what I mean? And so we probably don't do what we should do in regards to that, but it's the right thing for our community and it still makes us money. And that's kind of how we've done it. And it's fun. There's nothing that makes you feel better than having little kids outside your window giggling with big belly laughs because they're having so much fun with a livestock animal. Thank you for sharing that. I love your focus on giving back and making that more accessible. I think that is so cool. Yeah. And we, we like our neighbors are like, we love that we live close to a zoo. Thank you. It's just a farm. But yes, I think there is something magical about being able to visit with the animals and stuff. So I love that you, you offer those. So I want to switch gears a little bit into WordPress. So I know you've been in the WordPress space for a number of years. You've spoken mm-hmm. at WordCamps and done so much there. So what is it about the WordPress community? that really kind of ignited your passion initially? And where do you see WordPress going in the future? I know it's a big question, but. <laughs> it, well, it's because it's a big community. It's funny because WordPress, so I started using WordPress as a tool in 2008. So a long time ago, there's a lot of the products that are in WordPress that I was a beta user for. I've spoken all over the country, all over the US and Canada at WordCamps and 
it's been a great community and I love, I love just the, the openness of it. I know it's open source, but it's the openness of people and the openness of sharing and relationships later this month to go spend a week with a WordPress friend for his 50th birthday with another WordPress friend, another WordPress friends coming in. And even though we don't work together right now or see each other, we're all still convening for a week together because we have become friends out of WordPress. And I don't think that that's going to change. Now, there's a lot of people that I started WordPress with that have gone off to start breweries and just different to flip houses and do different types of things. But, and so the players are shifting a little bit as are the tools and adapting, but that community that built it is still there. And I still, and I think it's going to continue to, to still push it forward and make sure it is really the, the powerhouse that it is online and not just for just usage, but it also empowers so many people, whether they're solopreneurs or freelancers, whatever the case is. And I think that's kind of some of the magic that keeps it going. And I definitely expect that to continue to move forward. Technically speaking, the whole Gutenberg thing, you know, it's just shifted a lot. And I'm kind of an old person when it comes to it, because I'm used to the way things have always been done. I like my classic editor. However, I'm trying to adapt just, you know, like I do with farming. I have no idea where that's going to go and how that's going to shift because things have changed a lot. But I do think that it is fun to watch it, especially since I've been around it for a long time. It's kind of like you have this, this kid who used to babysit when they were little and now they're like teenagers. That's what I feel like WordPress is. It's like the teenager getting ready to go to college. And it's like, oh, you've grown so much, but I'm so excited to see where you're going to go. And, and that's kind of what I feel like of what it is right now. Oh, I love that analogy. Yeah. And I think I started around WordPress using WordPress around 2008, 2009 too. So I, I love that kind of old school and I'm still used to the classic editor, but I am also <laughs> experimenting more <laughs> and just kind of getting used to things. It's so. hard when you use something for over a decade to all of a sudden change. Totally agree. So I know you and Corey used Access Ally for digital marketing kitchen. So what was it that made you choose Access Ally or what did you like about it? And I know that you, you've used a lot of tools out there too. Yeah. So we started with Paid Membership Pro, which was great when we first started the membership. But as soon as we started to have the the membership grow and the community grow it we outgrew it like it couldn't keep pace with the the advancements that we were doing with just the whole communities with everything and it's funny because after working with you on the seo project and going through your content every time we hit a roadblock with something and i was like oh access alley can do this and it was non-stop every single time and Corey just kind of would start laughing he's like yeah, Access Alley can probably do this, can And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and finally, I just said to him, I'm like, Corey, I'm tired of fighting with this. I know it's going to be a big change, but can we just please migrate to Access Alley? Because all of these things that we're struggling with, it can do. I'm like, I know it can do it. And it did. So, and that's, that's what was the driving force of it. And it solved all of those problems and the integration that we did with Active Campaign. There was just so much goodness that really would have allowed us to continue to grow farther if our personal lives and our other activities would have been able to support it. 
And the funny thing is, is even though we closed down the active membership software and all of the goodness inside of it is still living and it's not going away anytime soon. Like we can't give up that portion. That's, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. So do you see any trends? Obviously you've been in this space for so long around online courses or memberships or digital content or anything like that. You know, you do digital marketing, but I don't know if you see anything on the horizon or things that you've spotted that people are doing more of or less of that you think is going to continue? Our town has their students online, even they're in school physically, but they're still doing so much online. That is a huge progression, right? Where it used to be just us nerds who were online and using all of those types of, of tools for education and communication. Now it's everybody. And I think these last two years have really showed the world that it's just no longer the nerds that need to use it or can use it. Everybody can adopt it. And it's opened up so much to everybody so that it's not just people that are down the street from you or maybe this small group that you can serve. Now you can reach everybody worldwide because there are so many tools out there available to you. It just shows you how much we have grown over the last few years and how much that's going to continue to grow moving forward. So I mean, I truly think that, you know, the world of online and online education and community and, you know, what we've learned in the last couple of years is going to continue to grow further. Um, And there's just a lot of opportunities for producers of that because the world will adapt it much quicker, right? I mean, it's just, we now, people just go look for it as opposed to, you know, fall upon it. Uh, which is a pretty cool transition. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like the world is ready, (laughs) essentially. And we are already like at that place as opposed to trying to educate people on like, you can do online courses or you can (laughs) watch a video and learn things and all of that. I love that trend. And along similar lines, what have you noticed on the SEO side? Because I know that's one of your, your key strengths. Maybe that is no longer working or maybe that's getting harder for people and maybe something that is working that people can start implementing that have content that they want to get out there better? I would tell you the one thing that sticks out to me as what's no longer working is, you know, years ago, we would watch the Google algorithms so closely and their changes and keywords and what was your keyword position. And you can't do that anymore. Google's changing. I think it's algorithm like 12 times a day, every day, right? And your keyword positions constantly shifting up and down and moving around and based on like a different, all these different parameters, you're going to see different things in different places by different people. From an SEO standpoint, trying to track all of that and really worry about am I in position one or two or whatever is futile. And you know, and it's shifting to stop worrying about all that. Make sure you have a technically sound website. Make sure that you're serving your human first and foremost, and writing really good content or producing really good content that's multimedia, that is what's really working in SEO. And there's other things that come in like schema and structured data, but the way that we did things before just doesn't apply anymore. And yet the importance of the human and creating really solid content for them that really services their needs and, you know, really you serve as an advocate for your target market, right? And and that resource, that hasn't changed at all. That's like the biggest shifts and the biggest constant that it seems to have taken place over the last few years. And it's a mindset to change your clients into thinking, I'm not going to give you a keyword report because you're going to get frustrated because it's constantly shifting, right? 
but I am going to give you a report on your actual website activity and the content and what content's working and your conversion and really so we can see what is working and what's delivering value to you and your ROI. You know, that's what really matters. I love what you shared there. Cause I think, you know, we are still like, Oh, what keywords are we aiming for? I think that's still very much, you know, the mindset of the SEO side of things. So would you say that Google is more like focused on authority on topics. I think I've kind of read about that. Is that something that you would say, like try to cover your entire topic or kind of answer questions that people have for your industry or for your topic, for example, or how would you recommend people if they're not necessarily focusing on keywords as much? I still look at keywords. I still focus on keywords, but I wouldn't say like, this is my holy grail keyword for this article. Instead, this is the topic of the article. And these are 50 keyword issues, things that can, you know, be included in it. But Google's smart. Google knows you are all about online education and that is your expertise. And you are an expert in your field. And if you write about something related to that, you are going to naturally rank. Same thing for me with SEO and WordPress, right? Well, now when I start writing about alpacas and you start writing about sheep, you know, that's kind of a shift for Google because the expertise and that authority and that trustworthiness that Google pays attention to on the human level of the author, that still counts, right? And it is becoming more and more important as Google's um, artificial intelligence can connect all of those dots. And, you know, if you're creating content in your topic space and in your, your niche, it, it is much easier to win. But then when you have people like us kind of branching out and doing other things, we have to develop that expertise in that as well. And, you know, you can't look at one without looking at the other. You, you have to have good content, but then you also have to be um, somewhat of an expert or to be able to position yourself in, as an expert and have external references to be able to support that to win. Uh, and that's definitely grown with Google as it's gotten smarter. And I don't think that that's going to go away anytime soon. I think it's just going to, I think Google's going to continue to get smarter and smarter all the time with that and be more and more particular about who it considers to be experts and who it rewards. All right. Oh, we have to dig in a little bit because that's too good. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> so when you say who, do you mean like your domain? So for example, like if I have a separate domain for my sheep or my farming, and I know you have a separate website for your farm than for your SEO side of things in WordPress. So would they, or is it more about your name and maybe where you're sharing on social and stuff like that? I think that's a interesting. It's point. both. So it is your domain. It's the human who's producing the content. It's the entity relationships that you have, like your Facebook, your YouTube. Um, it's where you've shown up to do training. You know, I've been asked by other alpaca associations outside of my state to come do training for them, even though I'm newer to the industry. Well, Google sees all that and sees my name on somebody else's website that is of authority in the space and knows that, oh, all of a sudden, okay, now she's doing training in alpacas and for, you know, for these people. And it can connect all of that. And it connects that, you know, the, my name over here back with my farm domain, which helps me rank in alpacas. And it's just, it's like little connections, you know, all over, you see the, the diagrams that they do for social, you know, with all the spokes and the connections. Well, that is, that's SEO now and all of those entities and, it, you know, Google is smart. It, it can figure all of it out. But what I do love is that it can accept the fact that I can be an expert in SEO, as well as an expert in alpacas. And it's okay with that, as long as I give it all of the resources to figure it out. That's awesome. So yeah, it sounds like, you know, authority backlinks 
in the specific spaces that you want to be known as an expert in is kind of a key here too. Do you have any, yeah. Do you have any advice for sort of that backlink building? And I know like obviously being featured and doing trainings is a great one. What other things could people do to help with that? So I've never, ever done backlink outreach, even though I've been doing SEO for about 15, 20 years. Um, What I have done though, is freely give of myself whether it's producing training, videos, writing a guest blog post someplace, sh- speaking at a WordPress conference. And that's always the joke that I'll do at WordPress conferences when I'm online talk or when I'm on site talking about SEO. I'm like, you think that I'm here because I love all of you. I'm here because you're going to give me a backlink to my site. And I said, and that helps my authority and that helps me rank. You know, it's, it is, it's that right. And which is true. And so it does help and it does make a difference. And Uh, And I always tell people whenever my clients want to go after backlinks, I'm like, no, it's old fashioned PR, just go do good and you will get the backlinks. My farm, like um, a couple of months ago, had a backlink from Forbes to my little farm site. I mean, and, you know, and it's, we've had like the local coverage that we've done or that we've had with TV and radio and podcasts and the newspaper. I've had tons of virtually like every outlet up here. And the mainly is because we're doing good for the community. And when they've asked, I've said, yes, well, all of that's brought backlinks and all of that's helped Google figure out who we are. And I didn't have to go ask for any of it, you know? So it is, it's like the do good method of backlinks and it is really, really effective. That feels so much better than some of the other strategies of like backlink acquisition and stuff. So thank you for sharing that. It's like way more organic, but also it serves a purpose, right? Which is your goal to help people kind of comes through and everything. So, (laughs) oh my gosh, Rebecca, this has been so incredible. Thank you so much for sharing all of the different aspects of yourself. I love all of them. (laughs) And um, so where should people go if they want to find out more about your work and your farm and all the great projects that you have going? So professional digital me is rebeccagill.com and the analog farm version of me is cottoncreekfarms.com. Awesome. And that just helped Google figure it out even more. So that's awesome. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you so very much. I am super pumped for everyone to go and check you out. And obviously, if you are starting an alpaca farm, go and check out how to do that and all the awesome products that she has available too. And yeah, thank you so much. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Want to keep growing your business on your terms? Then sign up for my free newsletter, The Momentum Memo. You'll get quick, actionable tips to gain momentum in your business every Tuesday. Head over to natalielussier.com forward slash memo to join over 6,000 other entrepreneurs scaling on their terms. Whether you're just getting started or have been running your business for a while, The Momentum Memo has something for you. 